Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. And this week is a very special episode. We're going to be doing this episode as a dedication to our dear friend and pastor, Mark Trotter, who recently passed away. Now, you may be familiar with Pastor Mark through the many episodes that he's done on this show. Or maybe you've taken a course with him through LFBI, perhaps the homiletics course or prayer and worship. Maybe you're familiar with Pastor Mark uh, from attending one of the many conferences that he preached over the last few years for Living Faith Fellowship, Discipleship Conference and, and Mission Focus and Certainty Conference. Or maybe you're familiar with him through the many books that he's authored. But however you've come to know Pastor Mark, you recognize what kind of person he is. You've learned probably from the many encounters that you've had just how loving and how wonderful a person he was, how devoted he was to kingdom work and to the mission. Now, many of us have known Pastor Mark for a really, really long time. And uh, if I go back in my memory, I can remember him as early as 17 years old when he preached at a youth camp that I attended. And throughout all these years, he has been a staple in my life, an influence. Many people refer to him as a pastor of pastors. And this is how he will be remembered, as someone who drove us to follow Christ more intently, someone who, who pushed us and called us to live the Great Commission with everything that we have. And so in today's episode, we're going to take some time to look at all the ways in which God used him to impact our lives. We're going to begin by looking at Pastor Mark's life his testimony of salvation. It wasn't too long ago that he sat with us right here in this room and told us about how he grew up and, and how he came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. So we're going to take a segment from one of those old interviews, and we're just going to share with you how it is that Mark came to know Jesus Christ. I was a sophomore uh, in high school, and uh, um, through a strange set of circumstances, this guy uh, invites me to church. He kind of had uh, had me over a barrel to get there, <laughs> and uh, didn't want to be there. The first time I went, man, it was the craziest thing in the world. I thought it was the most boring thing that I had had ever endured in my life. And I thought to myself, I don't know how people was do this. Was this like a youth ministry thing? Or? Well, uh, it was, yeah, it was a youth ministry thing. And I, I went with my best friend. I I, I kind of had him over a barrel to come with me. Right. And uh, so it was just kind of whack. There was, you know, girls on this side and boys on this side. And we were way too cool for that. Sure. And... Uh, and so, yeah, it was just, it was so weird mm. to me. And I was like, I ain't ever going back to that, man. But my name got on the roll. I visited, and this was a Baptist church. Yeah, they were And they were aggressive, you know. <laughs> and so... Uh, they kept working me, man, every Thursday night at this visitation thing that they had. And, you know, every week I'm like, ah, you know, I think my grandmother's going to die this week. And, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to be there. And uh, so, again, through a, another crazy set of circumstances, about six months later, I find myself back at this church. And I sat there and my attention was riveted. I mean, 
I was hanging on every word. I was the guy speaking. I'm like, oh my word, man, this dude knows me. You know, he's right. calling me out. You know, and uh, wow, yeah, I mean. God was just in the midst of drawing me to his son at that point. And, you know, I, I look back on it now. I couldn't have de described it then, but that's Second Corinthians uh, uh, 4, 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believed not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine into mm. them. And boy, the blinders were up that first time that I came. And uh, praise the Lord for just that crazy set of circumstances that caused me to go back. And uh, so it, it took me about uh, six weeks, but every week, man, I, I walked out of there knowing, okay, I'm going to get saved. Mm. And uh, so there was uh, one Sunday, uh, you know, and, you know, I was a street urchin. And, sure, I get that. Uh, long hair, you know, oh, all yeah, of this. Terrible. Terrible. You know, thing. those people that have long hair. In fact, we need to get into that story, okay, after, <laughs> after we get right. into this. So... Um, I was on the last row of the balcony. Uh, my best friend was with me again, and this dude was preaching, and you know, Mr. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, by the time he was done, I was literally trembling wow. at the power of the gospel, man. Uh, so he did the every head bowed, every eye closed thing, and uh, my best friend says, Dude, you go in. And I'm like, I'm out of here, man. And so, uh, you know, that that was the public invitation sure, thing. I went forward, called on the name of the Lord, and um, the next day, man, was toting my Bible to school. It was a kind of a inner city school, and uh, all the brothers started calling me Reverend Trotter from the first day because he's got his Bible, man. Yeah. And at that point, never in a million years would I ever dream that I'd be doing what I'm doing now. Now we're going to listen in to Pastor Mark as he talks about God's call on his life to become a preacher. He's going to share with us how he discovered an approach to God's Word that transformed his life and impacted the way that he preached. So let's take a moment and listen in. I've got a bunch of questions for Pastor Mark about how he became, how he became a preacher. Yeah, man. Okay, is that all right with you? Oh man, I yeah, and I I I hope that there's somebody out there that's intimidated to death of the thought of it, because that was me, man. Right. For real. I mean, I felt like that's what God wanted me to do, but man, I was intimidated to death about the thing. Which came first? the need to preach or the desire to preach for me it was the need okay um yeah the 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 thought of it as i said freaked me out so i was saved at almost 16 mm -hmm. uh growing like crazy um my parents moved my senior year and i moved in with the youth pastor and his family mm. and so that was, and I, I, I say this anytime I'm ever reflecting, that was the biggest thing that God could have possibly done in my life. That was so influential, godly, wise man. 
And uh, he was the youth pastor, but our church owned a youth camp as well. Mm. And so he was uh, the head of that and the youth and blah, blah, blah. And so he had to make multiple trips four hours away to this camp. And so we would be driving in the middle of the night, and I was wrestling with this, uh, am I being called Mm. to the ministry type thing? And um, and so I, I, you know, I— I almost hated to bring it up because I was like, if I if I admit that I'm called, then I'm going to end up having to do that preaching thing, and I, <laughs> that ain't me, man. Right. And so uh, I remember talking with him about, you know, how do you know if you're called? And he he said very wise words to me. It freed me up. He said, you know what, do anything you can do other than that Mm. and i'm like man i wasn't expecting you to say that why why would you tell me that and he says well if you can do anything else then you're not called right and so uh i i thought okay that's that's good so i'll i'll start pursuing something else Mm -hmm. and I couldn't. I just absolutely couldn't. I couldn't imagine myself preaching, but I couldn't imagine not spending the rest of my life telling people about Jesus. Mm. Yeah. So th- it was it was more the need than the actual, oh, I got to get up in front of people and yell. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So do you remember the first time you preached? Absolutely. Yeah. What was, it, what was that like? Um, it was the holiest month I've ever had in my life. Man, you're just, oh, God, what in the world? So it it wasn't like I had to preach forever. It was about uh, probably 12 minutes, and it was straight, you know, gospel. Uh, I still remember the the, the passage, and and that went okay. Uh, You know, and and there were at least a lot of professions that were made. The gospel is the gospel. The Mm -hmm. power is in Mm -hmm. the gospel. Yes. Um, And so that was my first shot at preaching. And uh, so then uh, I started in the ministry in Huntington Beach, California, Mm -hmm. and I was working with singles. And so now every week I'm speaking to them. Three points gripping story at the end, Mm -hmm. give the invitation. Uh, And that's what I thought preaching was, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody turned me on to an expositor and I heard it and I would, I think that's what we're supposed to be doing. Mm, It clicked. Yes. And so I, uh, I, I I started listening to this guy and uh, you know, kind of learning some skills in, preaching but as much content as delivery yeah and as the content was there the the delivery was beginning to get better because i was excited about yeah. it i wasn't i could just never get excited about developing a message that was three points in a poem you know right. yeah and uh so you know but still did not uh I hadn't mastered it, but you know, let's move forward in time. I came to a point in in my ministry. In fact, I was the senior pastor in New Philadelphia, uh, still feeling inept. Um and 
I became a what we would call a Bible believer. Mm-hmm. I believed that the book I held in my hand was the Word of God, and that First Thessalonians two thirteen thing, where Paul is thanking God for those Thessalonians that when when they heard the word, they heard it as it is in truth, the word of God, not the words of men, which effectually worketh mm. in you. Mm-hmm. Because of that belief in the book, it there's an effectual work that begins to take place, and I, I I'm I'm as serious as I can possibly be, my preaching changed when the authority was outside of myself. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have even understood what that was when I was back in Huntington Beach days or anywhere else along the way. But what I was really wrestling with is, who in the world am I to tell you anything? And I was a very young man at the time. But when the authority was the word of God, the passion was there and that this is, we've got to get this in our life. And and so that was... uh, the 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 style uh whatever that is it was not like i want to i want to work on this sure the style was just uh, a matter of getting behind the authority of right. the word of god yeah and being the guy that was tasked with spitting it yeah so i mean i'm thinking in my mind the difference between kind of dragging the Bible along in your message versus you going behind it, letting it stand guard and, and go before you um, is, the, is the illustration in my mind. I'm imagining the shift taking place. Yes. It, it, the, me going to tell you what the Bible says as opposed to the Bible says this yeah. to all of us. Yeah. And man, this is what we have got to get in our lives. And if we would just get this in our lives, you know, know, and uh, so I didn't have to yell about it or anything like that. But I, I, the, the word that I use is passion. Now, as we mentioned earlier, Pastor Mark was the professor of homiletics in the Living Faith Bible Institute. And if you had any desire to learn how to communicate God's Word, Pastor Mark was the guy that you wanted to be around. He's the guy that you wanted to learn from. So let's listen in as he shares a little bit about what it looks like to prepare for a message. Study that passage to the point to where it is part of the fabric of your life, and yet it's the part of the fabric of your thinking. And... um, when you go to put this into some sort of an outline, make sure that you are the points of your message have actually come from the text. Mm-hmm. You, you don't make an outline and then go to the Bible. You so get this passage that it begins to fall into its own outline. Mm -hmm. And the outline is simply coming right from the text. And that is preaching 
the word, mm-hmm. not from the word, about the word, right. holding a Bible in your hand, but preaching the word so that what you're communicating is actually, I can go to the Bible and see that point in that passage. Mm. What are you doing in your lair, in your laboratory, <laughs> when you're gone for four or five hours in the afternoon um, getting into the zone? What does that time look like? Well, it is a, a, a time where I am uh, trying to present to the Lord in all genuineness that without him I can do nothing. And mm. at that point, it's not like, oh, God, please. <laughs> you know, it's like, Lord, I've been dependent on you through this whole thing, and yet now I know Without mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. I can do nothing. It's not about me. It's about your word. And so help me to get my sorry self out of the way so that what I've, what you've given me is what actually right. gets communicated. Yeah. Throughout the years, Pastor Mark has poured God's word into our lives over and over and over again. As we mentioned before, he was a guest speaker at the Living Faith Fellowship conferences every single year. Mission Focus, All Church Retreat, Certainty, and the Discipleship Conference. He was always there and he was always ready to bless us with God's word. We're gonna take some time right here to listen to some excerpts from his sermons and remind ourselves just how powerful his teaching really was. We allow the Lord to take us back to the cross and to the realities of the cross. And we see him hanging there. And we're reminded of why he's there. And we're reminded that it wasn't simply because of sin. Yes, it was certainly because of sin. But if you're really going to get it, it's much more personal than that. It's much more horrifying than that because I realize, y'all, that it was my sin that brought him to that cross. And had nobody else on this planet ever sinned against him other than me, everything that I read about in the Gospels that was associated with Christ's suffering would have played out exactly as it is in the Scripture because of my sin. Not yours, not ours, but mine, my sin. And I realize that it was my sin that tied the blindfold over his eyes. And it was my sin that shouted it in mockery and blasphemy against him. Every blow to his face was from the fist of my sin. Every stripe on his back was from the whip of my sin. It was my sin that weaved the thorny vine into a crown of thorns. And it was my sin that took that crown and jabbed it onto his head. And it was my sin that took a hammer in one hand and three nails into another. And it was my sin that placed those nails into his hands and his feet. And it was my sin that lifted that hammer into the air. And it was my sin that provided the force to attach the sinless flesh of the God of the universe to the wood of that cross. 
It was my sin that dug the hole in the ground into which that cross would be dropped. It was my sin that lifted that cross up from the ground and dropped it into the chasm in the earth that was created by my sin. It was the voice of my sin. Even as he was hanging on that cross, it was my voice that continued to blaspheme him. And finally, it was the weight of my sin that caused the holy lamb of God to no longer be able to push himself up, to be able to take another breath And it was my sin that snuffed out the breath of life from the one who is life. Paul says very specifically, I have finished my course. And Paul constantly had his mind fixed on the course that God had For him, he was constantly talking about that course. You know, what's interesting to me in the 21st century, I don't hear people talking about their course. It's like this thing that we we just don't comprehend. But in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, the the context is, is talking about going to Jerusalem and Paul saying, not knowing what was going to befall him there, but knowing that the Holy Spirit of God had revealed to him that he would encounter bonds and afflictions in every city. And Paul says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish, next word, my course. And my brothers and sisters, I can guarantee you that if we count our life dear to ourselves, we will not finish our course. Acts chapter 13 and verse 25 talks about John the Baptist. Have you ever noticed this? It says, and as John fulfilled, what's the next word? His course. And the fact is, John could have done what Paul did and not fulfill his course. Because God had a different course for John than he did for Paul. There was was a, a totally different thing that God intended to do through John. And Paul could have done what John did and not finished his course because God had him on a different course and wanted to use Paul in a different way than he used John. And God's got a different course for your life than he has for mine. He's got a different course for my life than he has for yours. I can't finish yours. You can't finish mine. But, oh, buddy, make sure that you understand this. I think this is in your notes. God has a specific course that he intends your life to follow. And your ultimate success in life is determined by how you follow that course and whether or not you
I'm not trying to be rude, but I don't care how you've defined success to this point in your life. I don't care what all the trendy little leadership books, you know, how they defined success. I I don't care how our culture defines success. (laughs) I don't care how your mama or your daddy defines success for you. Success in life is nothing more and nothing less than following and finishing your course. Paul says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. And then next he says, I have kept the faith. And the reality is for every person in this room tonight, we all can say this. I cannot finish well without keeping the faith that was entrusted to me. We all get two options. That's it. I'm going to go through my day today, and I'm either going to be filled with the Spirit, or I am going to be filled with self. In other words, we on a daily basis are either going to walk in the Spirit or we're going to walk in the flesh. We're either going to manifest the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, or we're going to manifest the works of the flesh, which Galatians chapter 5 and verses 19, 21 identify as. Okay, so it's either love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, or... Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and a whole bunch of other sinful behaviors. I love the way that he says this, that fall into this category of, and such like. A lot of other junk like that. And and listen, y'all, some of us are convinced that we need to go home and work like crazy to stop it. And I want to say to you that that might just well be the absolute worst thing that you could possibly do. Because listen, those things already have enough attention in our life. They don't need any more attention. And focusing on those things is not the answer. The answer to stopping those things isn't working on them. It isn't working at it. It isn't trying to stifle them or uh, suppress them. The answer is to be filled with the Spirit so that you're walking in the Spirit. Because as Galatians 5.16 says, look at this. Galatians 5.16, walk in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The answer to the flesh is never the flesh trying to work like crazy to stop all this crap in my life. The answer, empty 
ourselves of ourselves so we can be filled with the Spirit, so we can walk in the Spirit, so we can manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And my brothers and sisters, uh, this is what I want to challenge you to do. I, I know it sounds crazy, but for the rest of your life, I, I, I'd love to ask you to present yourself to God on a daily basis. And first of all, come to the cross, okay? And do what he's told us to do here. Yield your members and present your body a living sacrifice. I don't know what that means. Okay. The, obviously, he's not talking about something physical. This is something spiritual, and so it's going to happen through prayer. The other place that we talked about going on a daily basis is the throne. And what we've been commanded to do once we're there is to seek the things which are above. And you know what? Last year at the all-church retreat, or maybe it was two years ago, we, we talked about the realities of what is there. And we saw that we are to seek the person of God because God wants us to love him. We're to seek the word of God that's settled there. We're to seek it because that's how we know God. We're to seek the throne because of what's happening there. Worship. We're to seek to worship him and give him the glory that is due his name. And the family of God is there and we seek his family. And so we seek to minister to those that are in the family of God through our gifts and we seek to minister the gospel to those he intends to be in his family so they can join us around the throne, loving him, knowing him, worshiping him. Now, if you knew Pastor Mark at all, you knew that he was incredibly passionate about training pastors in Malawi, Africa. He went down several times a year to train and to equip pastors in how to disciple and how to handle God's word, that they might go into their villages all over Malawi. Here's a short clip with Pastor Billy Wood and Mark Trotter hanging out in Malawi with the local pastors praising and rejoicing the Lord. This is gonna sound really familiar to those of you who've been there. I'm yelling at the phone because we got worship happening back there. Uh, this is Mark Trotter, my mentor, my co-laborer. We get to do this together here training some pastors in, uh, in Africa. But Mark, tell him, tell, uh, tell him who we are, uh, what we're listening to here, who we are. Okay, so this is the Passion Center for Pastors. It's uh, 150 pastors in Malawi. These, these people love Jesus like you can never imagine. They love to praise the Lord. Maybe this won't fit in your comfort zone. They love to dance before the Lord, man. It's just so, so incredible, awesome, awesome. We're teaching them how to study the Bible for themselves and rightly divide it. These are people that have never had the luxury of training. And so we're getting ready to train them even today. Now, Pastor Mark was also incredibly passionate about families and marriages. Now, in this short excerpt, he's gonna talk about his own family and raising them to glorify God. And we're also gonna hear from his son, Justin, describing just what kind of father Mark really was. 
the beautiful thing is, is she's just as sweet when we're home as she is out in public. Man, you, yeah, there's no way that that's fake. You can't, you can't fake that. That's yeah, man. And she got it honestly because her mama, she is her mama. Wow. And uh, and so yeah, that has. Uh, let me just say this in terms of ministry and family. Mm-hmm choose wisely yeah good call that's a very good point point number one point yes that is so major and and maybe we'll even talk a little bit about yeah that. so so how long have you guys been married so we got married in march of 79 so we uh are 41 years uh okay. married now 41 years of marriage, 40 years of of ministry, full-time ministry, right? Well, and yeah, so uh, the way that it worked is we, get, we got married on March 4th, 1979. Two weeks later, we started our first job in the ministry in Huntington mm-hmm. Beach, California. So wow. our anniversary of marriage and ministry. They're right by each other. Right there, okay. yes. In terms of spiritual things, how did you ensure that you were on the same page spiritually? You know, the way that I approach that with my wife is the same way that I approached it with my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I you go to Deuteronomy chapter six and it says morning, noon and night were to be teaching those kids. And I don't think the way that God designed that now, now man, I, I, oh, I respect the people who do have the family altar. And there is this time. I, I, oh, man. I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. For me, the way that it worked is as a husband, I would share with my wife the things I'm studying Mm -hmm. and the things that I was excited about. And, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, Oh baby, this is so awesome. And we would talk about the word of God in that way. And she would ask about what I just said and and then and and let me tell you about this part, you know. And so it was, you know, not no let, let, let's sit down and let me let me teach you right, right, some right, things. Right. I, I, that's not me. Did she did she I mean she shared what she was learning from God's word too, I suppose. I'm sure it was oh, yeah. it was a dialogue it, between the two of you. Yes. And yeah. it's the same thing with with my kids. Now I would certainly, you know, pray with them at night and we would read together and I would talk with them. I would sing. How much with fun them. is that stuff, by the way? Oh man. Because I'm still do- I mean my kids are young enough where I'm still doing that stuff. Yes, and and you know what is so cool is there there's this crazy little song that I used to sing to my kids, and they sing them to their kids now. And so when Papa's over their house, Papa goes in and sings the song. You're going to sing it for us right now, aren't you? I am not. I, I can't. I can't. I can't convince you. The way that we functioned is as we're going in life in real time. Yeah. You know, making it practical and. Again, in my little brain, it's not that we step out of real life to do the God thing, but that God is a part of every part of our life. On behalf of the family, I just want to thank you guys so much for being here. I know there's so many of y'all that have come from so far and have sacrificed so much to be here and and I know there are so many other folks that wanted to be here that are watching online and y'all have loved on us 
And I thank you for loving my dad the way that you do. Someone could, someone could act like a complete idiot half the time, but if you loved my dad, me and you were going to be friends. <laughs> it's almost like if we had that in common, we had all things in common. But having the opportunity to stand up here and, and to honor my dad and to, and to celebrate his life is the biggest privilege of my life. Like Justin had mentioned earlier, I, I've been asked lots of times, what's it like to be Mark Trotter's son? And, and I've always responded the same way. You know how great of a preacher and a pastor he is? He's an even better dad. But he wasn't just my dad. He was, he was my hero. <laughs> he was my best friend. He was my discipler. We had the most, we had the closest and most special father-son relationship that I've ever seen. And, and I, I can't put into words how much I loved and admired and respected him and because of that incredible love in life, it seems to be that much more painful in death. I will tell you, though, that God has shown up in an indescribable way, and, and He has shown up big, and His grace has been sufficient. And my mom and my sister have been rock stars, and they've been women of faith. And through this whole... Or, uh, through this whole ordeal, he, he is going to be missed on levels that I didn't know existed. And one of the things that I'm going to miss most about my dad is his preaching. And I know most of y'all are familiar with my dad's preaching. And if you're familiar with my dad's preaching, you'll know that he spent a lot of time talking about the judgment seat of Christ. In fact, one of the things that he's most well known for, and a lot of you will remember, is his dramatic monologue of the judgment seat of Christ, where the one where he named his character Daniel James Matthewson. So when I think about what my earthly father would have wanted and what would be most honoring to my heavenly father, I can't help but think that one of the best ways to honor my dad is for there to be some preaching about the judgment seat of Christ at his funeral. And certainly it's hard to imagine a setting that's more fitting for us to talk about the judgment seat of Christ as we face the gravity of the reality that every single one of us will stand before the Lord and give an account for the things that we did in our body, just like 2 Corinthians 5.10 says. See, this is going to be the ultimate accounting of our stewardship. What God has entrusted to us as stewards, we will give an account for at the judgment seat of Christ. And right there where I was seated, I began to pray. And I said, oh God, by your grace, and by your mercy, I surrender myself to you. All that I am to all that you are. And from this day forward, Lord, 
live your life through me. And my brothers and sisters, we all have that chance tonight. I, I hope that as we had this little different service that maybe you could put yourself in that whole arena. And maybe you were thinking of your life and the way that you've invested it. Choices that you've made. Thinking, oh God, I can't do anything to change that now. So I'm going to own it. But from this day forward, by your grace and by your mercy, I'm yours. And I want to ask you right now, would you just, right there where you're seated, would you just bow your head? And would you just talk to the Lord about whatever it is that He Let's talk to you. As we conclude this episode, we just want to call ourselves to consider whether or not we are living in light of the judgment seat. Are we living for the Word of God? Are we living for the work of God? It's so easy to get distracted by the things of the world. And if Pastor Mark preached anything, he preached that we should all be considering what our eternity is going to be like and, and how we live right now impacts the judgment seat. And with that in mind, uh, we want to say thank you so much for being with us on this very special episode of The Postscript, and we hope to see you next week. God bless. If you're interested in any of the books or resources from Pastor Mark, you can visit marktrotter.tv. There you'll find Keys of Bible Study and 52 Weeks of Pursuit, two wonderful tools to help your walk and learn to love God's Word more. Thank you.